How long does it take to visit a faraway land? To bring a memory back in full color? To leap into the past or the future? With a good dime story, it can happen at the speed of just a few simple words. This is Dime Stories, your chance to go everywhere a story can take you in three minutes or less. Welcome to the Dime Stories podcast. I'm Jennifer Simpson, director of Dime Stories International. And I'm Nicholas Thurkettle, author and regular at Dime Stories Orange County. Every month, writers gather at local Dime Stories chapters and share their stories. Fiction or nonfiction, there are no guidelines, just one rule, only three minutes to take us on a journey. The three favorite stories from each event are archived on our website, dimestories.org. And in this podcast, we're putting together some of the best of the best to share with you. When I was a kid, the holiday season was a magical time, filled with family gatherings, Christmas carols, presents, until I was 13 when my mother died. After that, Christmas became complicated. For a very long time, I didn't feel like celebrating. Since then, I've made a kind of peace with the holidays. I enjoy decorating my tiny tree, putting up lights, and I enjoy time with my family. My family is pretty awesome, and nowadays, Maybe even especially nowadays, I can appreciate humor. Here we are in the heart of the holidays where we all try to make a little sense of the year that has passed and gather our strength for the year ahead, all while trying to look happy in our holiday sweaters. Maybe all that mixed up joy, reflection, and anxiety is why this episode is our most foul-mouthed and funny yet. Be ready for a lot of bleeps with this trio of holiday tales. Eber Lambert imagines Christmas as a friend, one who's in a pretty bad mood these days. In Christmas Call, he makes us laugh while also asking if we're as good to Christmas as it is to us. Christmas called me last week to tell me it wasn't coming this year. At first I thought it was joking, Christmas does that sometimes, pulls that goofy transparent prank, makes you think this might be the year that it doesn't show up, and then last minute there it is with that paid time off smile, stringing lights, stoking the fire, decorating the fake tree, trying to convince us that eggnog isn't f***ing disgusting. But this year Christmas sounded as serious as black ice. After a long, awkward pause I ask why. I imagine the face of Christmas on the other end of the line, trying to mask its displeasure, trying to convince me it didn't have a specific reason, saying something lame like it didn't feel like it this year, punctuated with an apathetic shrug and averted eyes. But then Christmas snapped and started rambling off reason after reason as if he had them written down on a list, a Christmas list. Everyone is too far away. It's too much of a hassle. It doesn't have time this year. It's out of money. The car's head gasket won't see February. Another four-week onslaught of those goddamn songs playing everywhere. And sleigh bells. Who on earth came up with the idea of sleigh bells? Christmas said it's been overseas last summer, seeing people starve, seeing people killing each other, generally de-evolving while polluting the planet. But mostly Christmas said it's just really tired of rapping shit. Christmas is always wrapping shit. Surprises and disappointments, the joys of childhood, the supplication of spouses, obligations and excess, miscalculation, and those, oh, fuck it, this will do presents. Stacking, sorting, labeling, mailing, returning. As it rambled on, Christmas got angrier, said it felt more out of touch these days. No one understands Christmas. They say they do. Every fucking person says they do, but that's bullshit. 
Christmas screamed in the phone. No one ever talks to Christmas anymore. No one cares how it feels. No one considers its fears, its frustrations, or the fact that maybe it's hungry, or it's dissatisfied, or maybe it doesn't want another goddamn sweater. Christmas paused and cooled off a bit, said that after New Year's it was taking some time off, going skiing or maybe to a tropical beach somewhere. Christmas Island, I suggested. I didn't even get as much of a a snicker in return. Christmas said it was tired of giving, tired of the responsibility of being joyful every year, tired of plucking the bad memories out of the bowls of warmed-over nostalgia. It didn't see the point anymore, tired of the incessant need of the latest gadget, the coolest toy, or the expensive catalog clothing item that looks like shit when you try it on. The phone line became quiet. I could hear Christmas on the other end breathing. I heard the clinking of ice in its rocks glass as it took another drink. You okay, I ask? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in a few weeks. It mumbled in reply. Another awkward pause. I could use a new power drill, I said. (laughs) Christmas sighed. I'll see what I can do. Then it hung up without saying goodbye. This may be fiction, but I find it totally plausible that Christmas might need to blow off some steam once in a while. It's got a tough job. Eber Lambert is a closeted writer still mining his engineering career for nuggets of retirement. He is working on a collection of essays and flash fiction inspired by 12 years of Dime Stories participation and continues to ignore the half-written novel cryogenically stored on his hard drive. After our last episode, All About Food, the holiday dinner looks like it's fighting back. Take cover, because Eric Gummany is bringing us a cautionary tale, Revenge of the Supper. Dr. Wilde ran into Dr. Mannheim's office, locking the door behind him with great passion. Test subject TMO3, he panted. He's loose. He's just a turkey. Haven't you been reading the updates? Dr. Wilde grabbed the top of a filing cabinet and began dragging it toward the door. Help me move. The doorway exploded, sending Dr. Wilde sprawling across the office. As papers floated down and smoke drifted up, A very large turkey stepped into the threshold. Dr. Mannheim tilted his head. Is that? TMO3, shouted Dr. Wilde, diving behind Dr. Mannheim in his large metal desk. I don't see what the big deal is. I've eaten bigger turkeys than... The genetically modified bird pulled an AK-47 from behind his back. Okay, that's new. In the moment it took TMO3 to wrap his artificially prehensile feathers around the trigger... Dr. Mannheim was able to flip his desk onto its side and join his colleague on the floor. A spray of bullets almost immediately began flying above them, quickly moving lower and slamming into the desk. Dr. Mannheim, however, was less than concerned. That is one hell of a desk, said his colleague, admiring the lack of artillery tearing through it. I don't f*** around when it comes to office furniture, replied Dr. Mannheim. And I don't f*** around when it comes to being attacked by poultry, either. Grabbing the phone cord, he pulled the receiver to his side. He shouted into the phone, Code 12, in my office, release the Christmas ham. (laughs) We have a code for this, asked an incredulous Dr. Wilde. The gunfire stopped abruptly. There was a small thunk and then a very, very loud boom. The desk bulged slightly and slid a few inches backwards. Then an awful squawk cut through the air, followed by an unpleasantly high-pitched voice. Devils, savages, no more will you play God with my feathered brethren. No more will you torture us and experiment on us for plumper, juicier breasts. No more will you freeze our desecrated corpses and sell them to families honoring their genocidal ancestors. Your time is at an end, barbarians. There was another thunk, another boom, and then the gunfire resumed. 
You never enhance their sentience. Never, Mark Dr. Mannheim. That's rule one. Suddenly, from seemingly everywhere at once, there was a frothing, snarling oink. What the hell is that? The Christmas ham, said Dr. Mannheim. <laughs> a low, steady rumbling shook the room, turning into something like thunder. There was a terrified squeak and then a bowel-loosening porcine roar. And then there was silence. Dr. Mannheim inched up over the desk to see what had become of the turkey. The bird was gesticulating to the Christmas ham, articulating all he had learned in a kind of animal sign language. The ham appeared to be nodding his assent. <laughs> Dr. Mannheim slid slowly to the floor, his back against the desk, his face frozen. Well, asked Dr. Wilde, our goose is cooked. <laughs> If the meat is that angry, can you imagine what the cranberries think? Eric Gummany is the author of the Exponential Apocalypse science fiction series. He has contributed to Monkey Bicycle, Atlas, Obscura, Cracked, and most recently the New York Times. He's an avid fan of both Shakespeare and fart jokes. Finally, we shift tones to one of my personal all-time favorite dime stories. I was at our Orange County meeting when Pam Tallman shared One Mean Cat and to me it immediately captured just what a journey a good storyteller can take you on in three minutes. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Every woman needs a really mean cat who adores her. The kind of cat that when the vet sees coming, he pulls on elbow-length gloves like he's about to wrestle an alligator. The kind of cat who has a big red sticker on his medical file that says, Caution, I bite. Mine was Alexis, a big gray Persian mix. He hated everyone who wasn't me. A surprisingly large category. Alexei also hated to have his toes touched. So when my brother Don visited, I warned him, but he said, you mean like this, like this, touching his toes. Next thing Don knew, Alex lunged for his arm and sinking both claws and teeth. Alexis, it's okay, I cried out, peeling my cat off my brother's bloody arm. But no trace of sympathy, I said. See, I warned you. I know my brother said, but I thought he'd just swat my hand, not try to take it off. <laughs> Alexis and I shared a home during one of the darkest times of my life. So dark, it wasn't even a blue period, but more like a jet black period. It was the first anniversary of my divorce, and I was lonely and suffering from a herniated disc. And to top it off, it was New Year's Eve, and I was home with the flu. Even my regular New Year's Eve date, Guy Lombardo, was a no-show. Sure, it's, it's because he died, but, you know, anyway. I opened my medicine cabinet and contemplated the many bottles of hydrocodone I'd acquired since my back problem and wondered how many pills I'd need to permanently check out. I poured the meds into my hand and counted over 50 when one of them fell onto the bathroom floor. Hearing the ping, Alexei pounced on it, batting it back and forth off the bathtub and the vanity. His whiskers twitched, his ears pointed forward, and his teeth chattered with that exciting bucka-wacka sound he makes when he sees a bird. He was having the time of his life with the instrument of my demise. I couldn't help but laugh. I wrestled the pills from his paws and flushed it, and he rubbed my legs, hoping I'd drop another toy for him to play with. I picked up all 16 pounds of them and said to myself, what was I thinking? If I were gone, no one would want my mean cat. So for Alexei's sake, I flushed the rest of the pills. I know now that you're not supposed to do that, but at the time, a lot of fishies had no back pain. <laughs> Just before 
midnight, I crawled into bed and Alexei tucked himself under my arm with his head in my pillow. I heard distant fireworks ringing in the new year, but they weren't nearly as loud as Alexei's purring. And if cats could smile, he was smiling. And if cats could talk, he'd say, Happy New Year, Mom. I'm glad you're here. Just don't touch my toes. <laughs> So many feelings at the holidays, loneliness and togetherness, like warmth and cold, all brought into focus as the year marches towards its end. After 25 years as a costume designer, Pam Tallman swapped her scissors for a pen and began illustrating technical books and now she calls herself a humorous writer person. Her essays have appeared in Orange Coast Magazine, Fine Home Building, Threads, Quilting Today, the Orange County Register, and the Laguna Beach Independent. Dime Stories was founded by novelist Amy Wallen and is now managed by Jennifer Simpson. Dime Stories chapters meet every month in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Orange County, California, and San Diego, California. If you'd like to start a chapter in your town, write us through the contact page of our website, www.dimestories.org, where you can also find hundreds of Dime Stories archived, including the ones from this episode. And a special thank you to Scott Holmes, who composes the music we use in all our episodes. Learn more about his work at scottholmesmusic.com. If life is a series of moments, any one of them could be a dime story. So get out there and tell yours today. And thanks for listening.